everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church Podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. I worked, some of you may know, as a youth counselor in residential treatment with the government and sort of the, the toughest kids in the province of Alberta. In fact, they would, they would send them from the Northwest Territories. And um, I was amazed when, on the rare chance that we got, you know, out of the treatment center and maybe kids on good behavior, we get to go to a hockey game or the circus or the mall or something. I was amazed at how this type of kid would be drawn they would just magically find the drug dealer. They would just magically find the gang member, you know, of, of thousands of people in an arena. They would just be, like, magnetically drawn to each other. It was amazing to me. And it's often said that you can tell what a person is like by the company they keep. Um, you look at their friends, and from them you can sort of deduce what sort of character they have. You know, there's some truth in the, in the proverb, uh, birds of a feather, how's it go? Flock together. Um, but it's not the whole truth, is it? You may, you may not know the context. Uh, you may not know the heart. You may not know the motives of the people for the company that they keep. And so, so why do certain people choose another particular type of people to hang with? Is it possible to seek someone's company, not because you're drawn to their lifestyle or their character, but because you might want to have some influence on them. Like, for instance, where are my, where are my teachers at? Julie and Jessica, and Stephanie, Vicki, um, Bonnie. Okay, just raise your hand. Yeah, all the teachers. Now, do you spend most of your day uh, maybe the better part of your lives in conversation with children because you so enjoy their company more than people your own age. <laughs> Bonnie's laughing a little too loud over there. Sometimes she'll come into my office and just tell me what kind of day she's having. I didn't think so. Uh, it's because you actually see that there's a great privilege in having some influence in the development of children so that they become healthy, wise adults. Now, Brittany, Rebecca, uh, my social workers, my counselors, Kelly, David, um, again, do y'all spend time with <laughs> dysfunctional, addicted, problem families because you actually prefer families with problems than families without problems? No. Um, you do it because you're uniquely called and gifted to be a help to the families that you serve. Now, this seems like a no-brainer, right? But it was a failure of the Pharisees in Jesus' day to recognize his motives for hanging out with prostitutes, tax collectors, Gentiles, sinners. 
and not just hanging out with them, but the Bible actually says that Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Amen. And so the Pharisees assumed he preferred the company of sinners when, uh, in fact, they assumed that what he was doing was endorsing their sinful conduct. It didn't seem to occur to the Pharisees that Jesus might have kept this company for a good reason. Jesus kept this kind of company that his mama warned him about, that his church warned him about, and to a certain extent, I wonder if we should be keeping the same company that Jesus kept. You know, the problem we're more likely to face, particularly those like me who have been raised in the church for the better part of their life, is that most of us don't have any bad company to hang out with. And what your pastor is actually advocating this morning is that we ought to. We ought to, because we are followers of Jesus, and that's what Jesus did. So here's the challenge, kind of a scary challenge this morning. It's figuring out whether we are more like Jesus in the company we keep, or more like the Pharisees in the company we keep. Dang, it got quiet in here. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 13. And here's what it says. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again. That's the Sea of Galilee. And he taught the crowds that were coming to him. And he walked along and he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus. You know from the other Gospels that uh, his name is Matthew. He's the same person, Levi Matthew. And sitting at the tax collector's booth, he says, Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This story of Levi Matthew is usually taken as the Um, quintessential conversion story because Jesus called him and he rose up and and followed him. But I I wonder if this story is more of a model, a a model about mission more than conversion. Because what's the most important thing in this story? I think it's the response of Matthew Levi who, who invited Jesus to a party and Jesus came. Maybe that's the real headline of the story. In this exquisite little drama that plays out in in sort of three main characters, because, you know, every drama has conflict, right? You can see these three main speakers, very different attitudes. First, we have Levi Matthew, who, after responding to the call of Jesus, what does he do? He throws a party for his colleagues in order to introduce them to Jesus. And second, we have the Pharisees, who criticize Jesus, for accepting the invitation to the party and attending it. And third, we have Jesus himself who defends his behavior by likening himself to a doctor. And so maybe we've got to ask ourselves, you know, where do we fit in 
to this little drama that's unfolding? Are we like Matthew? Or are we more like the Pharisees? Or more like Jesus? Every one of us belongs kind of somewhere. And I wonder if we are like Matthew, who invited his sinner friends to, to Christ. So Jesus sees Levi Matthew. He's sitting at his, his tax collector booth. Do you ever wonder, I always wondered this as a kid, like why tax collectors are lumped in with prostitutes and outcasts and, and sinners? Um, somebody working for the CRA today would feel like, really, am I part of that crew? But here's the thing for context. Tax collectors were regarded as unclean by Jewish rabbis on, on three counts. Politically, because they were in the employment of the hated Romans, right, who were occupying Palestine. They were unclean ceremonially because their job brought them into constant contact with Gentiles. And they were unclean morally because it was, it was a given that they were going to be dishonest. It was, it was a given that they were going to kind of skim off the top and extort and exploit and they demand more tax than they really had the right to demand, and they pocket the extra. And so politically, ceremonially, morally, they were despised by the religious elite, even you know, hated by common folk. And that's why they get lumped in with this capitalist sinners. But Jesus didn't label or pigeonhole or discriminate. Actually, on the contrary, here's, here's Levi Matthew sitting at this tax collector's booth, and Jesus calls him to himself. You know, folks, you know that Jesus Christ has room in the community for disreputable people like Levi. He has room in his kingdom community for disreputable people like Jonathan Ganyu, people like us who, um, who know that Christianity is not for the elite. It's not for those who've got it all figured out. It's, it's a religion for the disreputable. And Jesus had room for people like that. So he calls Levi Matthew. And Levi Matthew responded wholeheartedly. In fact, uh, Luke records that he actually left everything to follow Jesus. Matthew left everything. And the first thing he did as a follower of Jesus was he throws a party in his home. And he invites his colleagues because he wants them to meet Jesus and he wanted to bring them together. And in what better way than to have them all together in a party in his home? And I wonder if we could you know, learn something from this sequence of events. Matthew couldn't invite his friends to meet Jesus until he'd met him himself. I mean, is that too basic to even say out loud? But it's the first lesson we have to learn in evangelism. The first and most indispensable prerequisite prerequisite, wascally wabbit, <laughs> is our own personal encounter with Jesus, our own surrender to him. We have uh, to be known by Christ before we can make him known. And it, it had been the same with Andrew, who, who, when he met Jesus, went to fetch Simon. And it was the same with Philip, who when he met Jesus went to fetch Nathaniel. And now it's the same with Levi Matthew, who finds Jesus or is found by him and goes out to gather his colleagues. 
It's a, it's a question so simple. You know, we could ask the king's kids upstairs. We might put it like this. You know, Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Philip brought Nathaniel to Jesus. Who will you bring to Jesus? And I suppose, I suppose you can't bring anybody else until you first brought yourself. So the first thing you'll notice in this story is we've got to know Jesus ourselves before we make him known. And the second is that once Matthew had met Jesus himself, it was the most natural thing in the world that he'd want to introduce his friends to him. You know, uh, you know who usually are the best evangelists in any church? New Christians, right? They're excited. They're not thinking about um, a mission trip to Africa because they've got a mission right here and with their family and their coworkers and their friends. So the first thing Jesus says to people who are new Christians, he says, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, go to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Our friends and our family, the people that we live with, these are the people who have the first call on our gospel witness. And our home is often the best place in which to introduce them to Jesus. So you're gonna meet some people who are gonna be uncomfortable, to say the least, about coming to a church building. But you know what? They'd accept an invitation to your home. Um, That's where they can relax. Jesus has left the building, folks. Well, that's the first thing that Matthew Levi did. Now, Let's talk about these Pharisees. You know, um, the word Pharisee means more or less separatist. And to oversimplify the difference between Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, the Sadducee mingled, some would say compromised, with Roman culture, okay? The Pharisees held themselves apart from all Roman culture. They were in insulated bubbles. And so we can applaud maybe the motives of Pharisees. They wanted to live a holy life. I want to live a holy life. They wanted to live a life that was pleasing to God. I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. But their mistake was that they interpreted holiness in terms of insulation, isolation. They thought the best way to be righteous is to avoid contact with the unrighteous. And so they were shocked to see the kind of company that Jesus kept. He even made friends with disreputable people. And in their view, Jesus was contaminated by that company. But they had a wrong view of holiness, right? True holiness has nothing to do with appearances. True holiness is a matter of the heart. It's the pure of heart, Jesus said, that will see God. So wouldn't you know it, it seems since time and eternity there have been in the Christian church uh, many Christian Pharisees and Christian Sadducees. The Christian Sadducees are so determined to live in the real world, um, they don't isolate themselves. They end up actually adopting the world's standards. They end up being compromised by the world's standards. And then the Christian Pharisees are so determined to live a holy life and not surrender to the standards of the world that they they withdraw altogether. So the Sadducees are conformists. The Pharisees are separatists. Who, Who got it right? 
Nobody. Yeah, Jesus got it. That's always the answer, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. Because they got it wrong. Jesus was neither. Christ came to sinners, to save sinners. So we turn to Jesus himself. He's the third character in this little drama. And remember in verse 16, the Pharisees complained to the disciples of Jesus. Why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? The, I like the version that we use, the NLT. It says, why does he hang out with such scum? Ooh. Well, Jesus overhears their complaint. He may have used his super son of God bionic hearing. Na, 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 na. And, and he, he doesn't even give the disciples an opportunity to reply. He just answers them himself. He said, and this is his actual phrase in verse 17, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Um, I got some tests on, on Friday at Southlake, and I was looking around, and I was like, oh, these poor people who work in hospitals. <laughs> You're just surrounded by miserable, sick people all the time. But that's, that's who they're there for. It's not for the healthy. Uh, a doctor who spends his time with the, the sick is not because he likes sickness. It's not because he approves of them being sick, but because he's dedicated to healing. And so Jesus mixed with tax collectors and sinners, and he still does, not because you know, he endorses every choice or behavior, he doesn't endorse every dumb decision that we make, but because he came into this world to save us, he, he is the physician of our souls. And Jesus says, I'm on a rescue mission. The doctor you know, really doesn't have relevance for those who are healthy. This is gonna date me, but does anybody remember the, the Maytag repairman? That's right, he's like, oh, I'll never get any work, right? Just sitting at home. Well, if you, if you go to the doctor, um, you're, you're sick. And please listen to this carefully. Don't misunderstand this point. I'm not saying so-called righteous people or good people don't need Jesus. Um, what I am saying is, is that those people think they don't need Jesus. The people Jesus came for are humble enough to acknowledge their brokenness and their guilt and their need for forgiveness. And so this reaching out to people in need, this, this outreach to sinners that we call our mission, it's the very essence of who Jesus is. It tells us, it actually tells us what kind of God we serve. Christ came into the world to save sinners and his entry into the world in order to reach us was, was messy. Um, he didn't just, you know, touch down on the earth and then, you know, the way, the way Neil Armstrong sort of touched down on the moon and then went away. Neil Armstrong uh, didn't, didn't have an incarnation on the moon. He'd be dead if he did. He, he, he would have, he, um, the Apollo mission, it's interesting that they call it a mission as well. Uh, it's quite different from the mission of Jesus. Jesus identified with the earth. He identified through the incarnation. He entered into our world of brokenness, of pain, of assuming a human nature. He exposed himself to the very temptations that you and I go through. He experienced something of our loneliness and our hurt. 
And on the cross, he even bore our sin. And he died our death. He, he experienced a total identification with humans. He entered into our world where we are in order to reach us for God. And so the way of Jesus is miles apart from the Pharisees. The Pharisees' philosophy was withdrawal. And Jesus' philosophy is engagement. The Pharisees' philosophy was insulation from the world. Jesus' philosophy was identification with the world. In other words, love. Love, reaching out in love. God is love. The Father is love. The Spirit is love. The Son is love. He's reaching out to us who need to be loved. And so the church is a missionary church by nature because the Spirit is a missionary spirit. Jesus is a missionary God. The Father, the very essence of God, is missionary. See, the mistake that the Pharisees made was worse than just a mistake about the meaning of holiness. It was actually a mistake about the very character of God. They misunderstood the essence of God. They thought that God avoided sinners. God doesn't avoid sinners. God loves sinners. God pursues sinners. He went after them, even though it meant the cross. He's pursuing them by his spirit even today. It is totally unique to the Christian religion. There, this is where Christianity is different from every other religion, even Judaism. Uh, if a sinner came back to God, God would accept them as... Um, He'd accept that sinner. But Judaism never taught that God went out into the wilderness like a shepherd to, sheep, to, to seek and save the lost. Judaism doesn't sing a song like, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God who pursues us. Um, only Christianity, God in Christ, God through the Holy Spirit, reaching out to people in need. Well, we've looked at this little three-character drama. Matthew Levi, who throws a party for his friends. He's got a heart to share the good news of Jesus. We've got the Pharisees who avoided contact with people and criticized Jesus for his contact. Well, what about us? Where do we fit in this picture? Do we care for outsiders like Matthew, or do we avoid them like the Pharisees? Do you think do you think we could be described as Jesus was, a friend of sinners? Um, are all our friends Christian? And if so, are, are we more like Pharisees than we are like Jesus? Will there be those who criticize you for keeping the company you keep? Yeah, probably. Matthew was. Jesus was. I mean, the fact that we're not criticized for it, maybe shows more of our departure from the model of Jesus. And guys, rest assured, I am preaching to myself this morning. The guy who works with Christians, who hangs out with Christians, who has an office in a church, is a vocational hazard. Uh, I need to be maybe more intentional about this than all y'all. This is a personal question that we have to wrestle with personally. But it's also a knack question, isn't it? It's a, it's a community church question. Are we, as a church, 
engaging the world around us for Christ. So I'm asking you to do this as individuals in classrooms and rinks. I'm asking us to do it as families in our little parishes that we call neighborhoods to figure out what it means to do this corporately, um, to be an army of missionaries in Southlake. So let's just determine right now not to be like the Pharisees. Maybe we even need to repent uh, for any lingering spirit or attitude that is Pharisaic. Christianity um, is, is about following Jesus. It's about being more like the apostle Matthew who makes friends with unbelievers, who invites them to experience the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of Jesus Christ.